Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Romans chapter 12 verse 10. The wisdoms of the Proverbs tells us that a kind word can turn away wrath while harsh words only stir up more anger. My friend, I assure you of this, you cannot fight bitterness with bitterness. The two fires only serve to make a hotter, more bitter fire in the end. Likewise, you cannot fight hate with hate, violence with violence, prejudice with prejudice, darkness with darkness, or sin with sin. For all of these things or merely the absence of something, and creating a bigger void will only create a larger pit for more souls to fall in. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 14 says this when dealing with the pride and the mean and the arrogant, that hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth wide without measure to receive them. The first thing that I want us to grab hold of today is that hate is the absence of love. Violence is the absence of compassion. Prejudice is the absence of forgiveness. Darkness is the absence of light. And sin is the absence of the Holy Spirit in the heart of men. So my friend, don't add absence to absence. Instead, fill it. Bring love, truth, light. Bring Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Don't grieve it by agreeing with, embracing, or endorsing the darkness. In these tribulous times, we must remind ourselves what the great ministers and martyrs of the past taught us with their very lives. The only force that will set the captive free is love. And who is love? But God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, we read, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in verse 20, it says that if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Now we understand that love does not equate to tolerance, as some would have you believe. Jesus never tolerated sin. He loved them enough to speak out against it in an attempt to save them from the consequences of remaining in it. He loved them enough to demonstrate this and not just preach it. He loved them enough to turn the other cheek when they unjustly struck him. He loved them enough to pray for them while they killed him. And he loved them enough to instruct his followers to continue what he had been doing. To not fight them for what they did, but to weep and cry for them in prayer and be willing to sacrifice for them in hopes that a few might be saved from their sins. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, we read this, the teachings of Jesus. He said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, 
love your enemies. Bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. When you choose to give in and join the hatred that is perpetrated against you, the devil has won both you and them. But when you refuse to join the enemy's camp and add to the problem, but rather stand with Jesus on the side of forgiveness, praying and demonstrating a better way for them, you not only save your own soul from hell, but began to draw men out of the clutches of the enemy into an eternity of peace and overcoming victory. This is the testimony of the saints of old. This is what worked. This is what changed the world. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus tells us a new commandment do I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, in this manner that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. After all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus was willing to pay the price. Even while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He was willing to forgive us. He was willing to look forward to the future, the plans, the blessed hope that he had for us. Let us be willing to do it for others also. Let us live for kingdom purposes and not in our own emotions. Let us remember that in the end we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and that we love not our own lives even unto the point of death. We were willing to demonstrate the kindness, love, and forgiveness of Jesus. So today, God, we're going to demonstrate what you told us to do. You said to pray for those who persecute you, who despitefully use you, those who say all manner of evil against you. And I know that everyone has a situation where someone has hurt them, has offended them. So today, God, we pray for them. We ask that you save them, that you change them, that you make them more like you, Jesus, that you plant the seed of truth in them and cultivate the peaceable fruits of righteousness in them and that you use them, give them a testimony of how you brought them out. Put your story in their mouth and send them out to shine the light to someone else. And Lord, take that same light, shine it in our own hearts and lives and point out if there be any root of bitterness, any offense, any prejudice, any unforgiveness. Because the enemy, he is cunning. He likes to attack the heart and the kindness of the loving. The Bible says that because the love of many shall wax cold, wickedness shall abound. But those who endure till the end, they shall be saved. In other words, we've got to remain in a place of holding love and compassion and mercy. He said that if the salt loses its savor, it is worthless. It is pointless. It is not worthy of anything but to be trodden under the foot of men. God, we don't need more darkness and bitterness. We need to fill it with the power of your Holy Spirit, God. So we are asking for you to equip us with the fruits of righteousness. Help us to walk in those fruits which are love first and foremost. Peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, temperance, self-control. Oh Lord, fill us up and pour us out. But my friend, don't be surprised. If the enemy comes 
with attacks, slanders, and lies, trying to steal away your fruitfulness. Paul said, think it not strange when the trials and temptations come upon you, but rather allow it to try and strengthen your faith and perfect it. Allow it to produce more fruits in you because that it gives you the opportunity to fully demonstrate the loving character of Jesus because he was hated, despised, and rejected. And it wasn't until he had these opportunities was he able to demonstrate for us the great depths of his love, mercy, and compassion to show us something different. Remember, the Bible says that if we love those who love us, then what thanks have we? How are we any different than what the world sees? The sinners around us, they do the same thing. But when men hate us, revile us, persecute us, come against us, that gives us a real opportunity to show them something they haven't seen. The uncommon, incomprehensible, unexplainable love of Jesus. That's the power that spread the gospel around the world. In fact, that's the very reason the Holy Spirit was given to us, was to equip us and empower us to do this, even in the face of grave opposition that for some cost them their very lives. Yet many times we fail to do it because it might cost us a little pride. Oh God, forgive us, strengthen us, and equip us by the power of your Holy Spirit to demonstrate the love of Jesus. So for the last few remaining moments of this broadcast, I would like to share with you what has to be one of my favorite testimonies from the past. Those of two young Moravian men that heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist owner had two to three thousand slaves. That owner had said that no preacher, no clergyman would ever stay on his island because that he knew that Christians always preached the message of deliverance. Because you see, Jesus came to set the captive free. 3,000 or more slaves from the jungles of Africa were brought to this island in the Atlantic to live and to die without hearing the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So two young men, Germans, in their early 20s from the Moravian sect heard about their plight. And get this, my friend, if this is not a demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. They were actually willing to sell themselves to this plantation owner to become slaves themselves. The Moravian community from Herrenhut came to see the two lads off, including their family, knowing that they would never return again, having freely sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery for the hope of others' redemption. As a member of the slave community, they would witness as Christians to the least of these, the lonely, the broken, the forgotten of the love of our God. Family members were emotional, as you can imagine. They were weeping and crying and saying their goodbyes. Was their extreme sacrifice wise? Was it necessary? The housings had been cast off and were curled up on the pier. As the ship slipped away with the tide and the gap widened, the young men linked their arms, raised their hands, and shouted across the separating gap. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. This powerful, piercing, and convicting phrase became the call of the Moravian missions that brought many out of slavery and bondage into the freedom of redemption through Christ Jesus. The trials of this life are temporary, my friend. And in the end, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our life. How did we live it? Did we truly 
represent Jesus. These men's life did to the fullest, and we still tell of it to this day. They believed the words of Jesus. They understood that true Christianity is all about setting the captive free, but also that sometimes the freedoms of others comes at the cost of our own captivity. Paul said, I make myself a slave to Christ and a servant to men that I might win souls into the kingdom. Oh, Father, give us the selfless, sacrificial love of Jesus and help us to demonstrate it to all men that they might be convicted of their own lack of it and be set free of the bondage of their sin. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, that we ought to owe no man anything but to love one another. Because that he that loveth another will fulfill the law. Jesus often preached how he had left us with the same law that was given to us from the beginning. Only with more power now to fulfill it. By showing us his great love for us. If we then truly believe in it. Who he is. What he did. And why. Then we will love him for it. For we love him because he first loved us and because we can trust in that love by his demonstration. Once we have embraced it, we will begin to then ourselves demonstrate it to those around us. Because this is a fact, my friend, that when you truly come to love God, you will begin to care about what he cares about. You will hurt for what hurts him. You will labor in love for those that he loves. In other words, if you love God as a bride does for her groom, then you must also love his family too. No matter how unworthy or dysfunctional they may seem to be, when they stray, you must labor to restore. When they fall, you must labor to pick them up. When they hurt you or him, you must lovingly forgive and instruct because the greatest desire of God's heart is to restore his lost loved ones to the family. And if you love him, you will be driven by love to help him do this simply because that you know that this will ease the hurting heart of the one that you love the most. This is what changed everything for us, and it's what will change everything for everyone around us if we truly believe it enough to demonstrate it. <laughs>